Welcome to a new edition of the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino. On this episode, we talk with America's breakthrough speaker, Brian Byro. He has delivered nearly 1,900 presentations around the world in the past 33 years. With degrees from Stanford University and UCLA, he has appeared on Good Morning America, CNN, and is a featured speaker at the Disney Institute in Orlando. The author of 16 books, including his new lessons from the legends and bestseller, Beyond Success, Brian was recently named one of the top 10 interactive active speakers in North America and one of the top 60 motivational speakers in the entire world. Enjoy this interview. Hi, Brian. Hey, Joe. How are you? What's going on? How are you today? Hey, I'm doing incredible. Thank you so much. I love the background you got there. That's a very cool looking thing. Well, thank you. Um, I, I'll get your address after we're done and I'll send you a sticker. I love it. Beautiful. Right on. All Where right. are you coming out of? Um, I live in Barbersville, Virginia, just outside of Charlottesville, Virginia. Okay. Right next to the Blue Ridge Mountains. Wonderful. Sounds like it's pretty scenic and serene up there. It's beautiful. It's, uh, you know, we're right next to the um, uh, Shenandoah National Park. So okay. um, kind of a beautiful area. Hey, the Rock has a, a horse farm here, so it must be kind of cool. It's, that's right. <laughs> well, I'm coming from Kansas City, Missouri, the, the, the land of Mahomes. So. All right. Well, anybody who's from Kansas City, you're a Chiefs man. you got to be cool. Well, you know, it... I was just telling somebody recently, we were talking about the pandemic, which is going to be my first question. And my dad used to always muse because we called them the griefs. They were so bad for so long that <laughs> if they ever won the Super Bowl, the world would come to an end. And literally after that parade, it just all stopped. <laughs> I know you're riding the wave right now and and well done. So that's yeah. great. My, my college roommate was a guy named John Helsberg. You've yeah. heard of Helsberg's jewelers and oh yeah. Um but he he was he was in that family, not directly, but um yeah. and he became one of the the doctors for the Chiefs and he's he was such an avid Chiefs fan all through the tough times. So it's really cool to see him uh, see him in it coming into his own these last few years. Yeah, you know, I grew up in Liberty, um, just right outside of Kansas City, and they used to practice at a place, William Jewell College, and it was like no big deal. And I used to play basketball with them. I would talk to them. I'd walk up with them. And it was nostalgic. It was wonderful. You know, it was like I was penning my own outsider's memoir, you know, just of all of these experiences. So it, it's fun. I've been, I've seen a lot. So when that actually happened, it was like, wow, I still couldn't believe it. I got to pen it and put it up in my garage. And I was like, there's no way that happened. And I said that the whole time until the pandemic <laughs> happened. And then reality set it. And I'm like, okay, it happened. <laughs> yeah, so. there you go. And I, I gotta say, I like the people there. You know, Mahomes is a classy guy. I mean, yeah. they're they're not only are they winning, but they're winning with character. So more more power to them. And Taylor Swift. What more could you want? Well, there you go. You got the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's Hollywood and Hi-Fi. So uh, <laughs> But it's great to meet you. And I want to begin our conversation with what I kind of brought up with living through a pandemic. How did you get through the last three and a half years and how has it changed you? That's a really great question. I think that what it did more than anything else, I'm a professional speaker and an author, and I've been speaking all around the world for 33 years. And I teach the power of controlling your controllables, that when we're controlling the things we do control, we feel a level of, of energy, of momentum, of confidence. It's when we try to control what we don't control that we get kind of disillusioned, that we get disappointed, we get scared. Um, and so what it's really done for me more than anything else is emphasize that that is a very powerful way to choose to live your life, to focus on 
kind of on the things you do control. And I have three key things. One, shaping your own future. So no one else controls your own vision, but you. Um, and we have a choice to focus more on what we want to create or on the obstacles and the fears and things we don't want. And we can shift that focus. We can I guess to be habitual to look at what we don't want with more passion than we look at what we do want, but we can shift that. That's one controllable. The second is, is about energy and engagement that to live a great life, to have a great career, to be healthier. So much of it is energy. But most people, Joe, I think look at their energy like they look at the weather. It's like, man, I hope the weather's good for the family picnic. But your energy is actually a choice. And when you understand how to cultivate a better energy choice, watch out. Your life takes off. Yeah. So that's the second controllable. And the third is, is to build people, build teams, and build relationships that um, no matter what business you're in, you're in the people business. And so focusing on those three controllables, really what got me through that pandemic, which for somebody as a professional speaker, it was a it was a KO punch. Yeah. I had 80 events booked on March 10th, 2020 for the rest of the year. And on March 15th, I had zero. So my income went from a good income to Zippo. And I had to find a way to not focus so much on what I'd lost, but to focus on what I could learn to to make it through. And, yeah. and so that's really the big things for me. Yeah, well said. So let's get to the essence of what you exactly do for a living. I'm going to put you in front of a bunch of third graders. It's career day. One of the kids says, hey, what do you do for a living? How do you answer that child? Saying that I I am a foundation. That understand that. I speak in front of organizations, mainly companies, and I talk to their people about, about controlling their controllables, about how you build teams. Um, because when we move from ego to ego, that's when life gets really fun. Talk about how to that we have choices. And really when it gets down to it, what I speak about are making those significant choices uh, to be more present with people. Because whenever you are present with somebody, that means when you're with somebody, you're actually with them. You're not thinking about last night's ball game. All right. When you're with people, you say to that person beyond words, you're important. You matter to me right now. You're the most important thing in the world to me right now when I'm present with you. And that, that is what we must communicate to build relationships. I talk to people about their energy, that, that we create our energy, that to everyone we touch, our energy is our example. Um, and so how can we live with more energy? And really comes down to two simple things. One, change the way you move. Yeah, Energy is created by the way that you move. Yeah. Uh, I laugh when I say it, but it's true. When I'm on stage, Joe, I'm, sick, I'm 25 years old. Yeah. When I get off stage, I can be back to 69. But on stage, I'm 25 because... Yeah. I'm filled with this movement that comes from doing what I love. And that's the second key to energy is purpose. Yeah. Whenever you're full of purpose, you're full of energy. Yeah. When you get to do what you love to do, it doesn't matter how much you've been sleeping. You you are like a, my grandchildren. Well, get out of my way. I can't wait. Yeah. So truly, if you're not inspired, then you're basically on the way to getting expired. So I talk a lot about that choice of energy. Um, so my work is about trying to help people believe in themselves more. Um, and to work better together and to really love that each and every day we have a chance. We're given the greatest gift of all. It's called today. Yeah. But today we can learn something. We can make a new friend. We can overcome a fear or, or we can break through that obstacle. Yeah. I always think about um, there was that story, Michael Jordan, when he got delivered a bad pizza uh, when they were playing Utah and he was deathly ill and he still played the game. And, you know, there's there's something to be said. That's that's the that's the proof. 
That is adrenaline. I've had my own own moments like that in in speaking for 33 years I, uh, at 1900 events. I've had about five or six times where I was deathly sick before I was supposed to go on stage. Um, and I mean, so sick that I really didn't even know if I could make it to the stage. Got up on stage. Some of these were four hours. Wow. Got up on stage, blast through. 12.02 after being on from eight to noon, I'm back in the bathroom again. But in those four hours, because I'm doing what I love to do and I'm filled with purpose, I, I wasn't sick in those four hours. And it makes me wonder, man, if you're filled with that much purpose, maybe we can, you know, really have a huge impact on, on even our health every single day. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. I always remember there's a there's a very talented tap dancer, trumpet player, singer here in town. His name's Lonnie McFadden. And he was telling me a story about being at Branson and Wayne Newton. They were opening up for him. And Wayne Newton had pneumonia bad, like he couldn't walk. He said he got on stage. He he just absolutely was stellar. And the minute he got off stage, they put him in a wheelchair and he went into an ambulance and went to the hospital. It was that bad. But that time that he had on stage. I'll never forget that story because it was like a Norman Rockwell painting. Like I could see all of the storyboard come together, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. If, if you ever really want to understand the power of purpose, which is a big part of what I teach, there's a book called Man's Search for Meaning. It's an old book. It's written by a guy named Viktor Frankl, yeah. who was in Auschwitz, the, the, the worst of the concentration camps during Nazi Germany in World War II. And he said something that has stayed with me every second since I read it. He said, if you would have tried to have guessed before the people were put into the concentration camps, who would survive? You probably would have thought, well, it's the youngest, the strongest, the healthiest. He says, no, what, what got them through was a purpose left undone. Those who had something they must get back to, a child they felt they had to get to, work that they felt they alone you know, Wayne Newton could do. And that was truly the threat of life. Without that, they would perish. Yeah. So yeah, purpose is huge. I bring to every event at which I speak, I, I bring this big photo of my family. They're my purpose. I love them more than life itself. And the truth is I show it to the audience, but I don't show, bring it to show them. I bring it to show me. Yeah. Because the last thing I do before I speak is I go to my purpose because I do it for them. And I fill up with how much I want to do for them. I fill up with how much they mean to me. I fill up with the times we laughed till we cried and we cried till we laughed yeah. and it changes me. And it yeah. gives me that Wayne Newton drive to get through yeah. that performance. That's right. So let's take you back to the third grade. What did you want to be when you grew up? Oh man. You know what? That's really cool. I haven't thought about that in a <laughs> long time. I think I wanted to be a doctor. Okay. Um, and the, and it was for a simple reason. It wasn't really that I was in love with medicine or anything. It was because I had the coolest pediatrician ever. Yeah, uh, he was he was a jokester. He just made me laugh. In fact, he tricked me into getting my first shot without crying when I was five because he was telling me a joke. Yeah, and I was so caught up in the joke that he slipped the old the old thing in my tush, <laughs> and I and I didn't cry. And afterwards, he said, "I already gave it to you." And I went. And I started crying because I thought I was supposed to cry. But he was such a giving soul. Yeah. Um, and that, that uh, you know, that was what it was at that time. It's that Patch Adams idea, uh, Robin Williams. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about let's 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 get to the big get the onion layers out of the way. Tell me where you were born and raised and how did this journey begin? How did you get to a place where the stage is comfortable, writing is comfortable and you become who you are today? 
I love it. Um, uh, I grew up in Southern California. I was a, a, a valley boy. Um, I ended up going to uh, my mother. My mother was a receptionist at that doctor's office. She was the, the one who greeted you when you walked in. Uh, my dad was a cop. He was LAPD. And he was like a lot of dads of my generation. He was tough and quiet and, you know, probably more than anything in this world. I wanted him to be proud of me, but uh, he could never say that. Um, he couldn't say I love you. He couldn't hug me, um, but he could work two jobs. So we'd have enough. Um, I went to Stanford University. Um, still don't know how I got in. I think there's another Brian Byro who's still upset that he didn't get accepted, but I got in and, and it was great. And uh, I, I have had three really neat careers. Uh, first, I was a U.S. swimming coach and I was working with young athletes. That's how I put myself through Stanford, that and Megalones. Um, and I loved it. And it really set the path for me that my greatest joy is to bring out what's inside of people individually and collectively. So that, and in some ways, you're a motivational speaker when you're a swimming coach because um, you're you're really coaching people more than the sport. The sport part's easy. The technique is easy. It's the it's the emotional, the mental, that the the building of that that faith in yourself that really makes the difference. Uh, um, I'm probably the only guy you know, Joe, who went to get an MBA to get a life instead of a job. Um, the only reason I'm still not coaching swimming is I had no life. I was completely caught in my work. So. I got my MBA, went into business, and I got a life. I met my wife. We had our two daughters. Um, and um, I also discovered something else. I love people. I didn't love transportation. I became a vice president of a big transportation company. And so I started doing team building in that company, and I loved it. And so I said to my wife, at the peak of this great turnaround our company had, I said, we're doing great. Let's quit. I got to go do this. And that's when I started speaking. And and I guess the biggest epiphany point for me as a speaker was when I realized that I don't speak for the response from the audience. I appreciate it. I, I love it. But I speak because I love what I'm doing. Um, I feel like I'm doing what I was put on earth to do. And when I did that, that's when I really found the joy in, in being a speaker. That's wonderful. So who's been a hero for you? Who's been kind of an inspirational force in your life? Probably the biggest uh, mentor hero I had was uh, a man named John Wooden. Um, yeah. For those who don't know, John Wooden was the greatest college basketball coach of all time. His picture is right there on the wall and the pyramid of success is right below it. There's something that he created to coach people. If anybody's a Ted Lasso fan um, on Ted Lasso's office wall, is the pyramid of success. He was also a Ted, La yeah. uh, a Ted Lasso's hero. Um, Coach Wooden was the most successful person in the history of his field. UCLA basketball, 10 national championships. No coach in history has won more than five. But that's not why he was my hero. He was a better father, better husband, better person than he was a coach. Um, he constantly gave credit and took responsibility. He never blamed anybody for anything. He... Uh, he, he was remarkable. This will blow people away. In 27 years at UCLA, the most successful coach in history never said the words winning or losing to his players. Wow. He never said the words. Now, did he want to win? Oh, yeah. Yeah. But what he wanted was for his, his players, his coaches, and himself to focus on the things that they controlled, what they put in, their effort, their energy, their attitude. He said success is peace of mind. And it comes from only one thing, from knowing you've given the best of which you're capable Mm -hmm. So if you have to compare yourself to others to feel you're successful, you're, you're not. Yeah. A comparison 
tears you down. So he's been a huge influence on, on my life. Uh, he became my friend. Uh, he wrote the foreword to my very first book, which was called Beyond Success. Uh, we lost him in 2010 at the age of 99 and a half. He almost made 100. But uh, he uh, he would never say he was a coach. The greatest coach of all time never said he was a coach. He said he was a teacher. Wow. That's fascinating. I had no idea. And he is. He's legendarily prolific. Wow. We're still talking about him. He retired in 1975. Yeah. We're still talking about, you know, you know, almost 50 years later. Um, and, you know, he he really was a, his focus was on character, not reputation, because your character is who you are. Yeah. Reputation, only what others think you are. And if you stick with that focus on your character, it'll become your reputation. So what was it like when he walked into a room? Did kind of the energy particles kind of split? What was it like? That is, gosh, you asked some great questions. Thank you. <laughs> you remember we talked a minute ago about the power of being fully present? Yeah. That was John Wooden. You know, a lot of people try to figure out, how did how was he so successful? How did he do things that he that nobody else has ever done? And they missed, they missed the most important key. The most important key was John Wooden was the most fully present human being that you would ever be with. Um, when he was with you, you felt like you were the star. Um, because he was totally connected to who you were in that moment. So when he walked in the room, he didn't seek the spotlight. He was actually, uh, you know, he 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 told me that when he first uh, was a young coach, he was terrified of speaking in front of people. And his wife, who was his his mentor, pushed him into speech classes to overcome his fear. Yeah. Um, but he, in a very subtle but more powerful way commanded the room with that complete presence. Yeah. Um, he, he genuinely believed that everyone was important. And that's what we say to people when we're present. We say, you're important. Yeah. You matter. You count. And whenever you're not present, you speak louder. So that was his way. I remember that when I first met him, I was in my corporate career running this large company. And I thought, what would be better than to interview the greatest coach of all time? I grew up in Southern California admiring him. So I, I called him up on the phone. Somehow I got his phone number. He answered the phone. Now, I was not ready for that. I thought I would talk to <laughs> 72 people. So I'm sure I stumbled, I mumbled, I stuttered, I dribbled, and finally got out. Could I come and speak to you? And he said, certainly, Brian, come on down. So I sat in his living room for two hours, at, by the end of which we, we became great friends. Wow. But as I walked out of there, I, it was a feeling I never had before because I don't think I'd ever been around anyone who was that present. Wow. That's fascinating. So let me ask you this, of all of the times that you've been on a stage in front of a crowd, was there a surreal speech that you gave? Was there a moment where you just kind of, it was almost out of body, an event, something that that really in the back of your mind just puts a smile on your face? Yeah, yeah. Um, there's, there's two things. One is one that happens in little tiny fragments, often in different events. And that is, is that, you know, I've done what I've done for such a long time. I don't use notes. I don't write a speech or anything like that. It just flows out. But every so often, something will come out that I didn't know was in. Uh, and it, it's a uh, one was I once said, the love we fail to share is the only pain we live with. Yeah. Where did that come from? And you can only come from one source, I think, you know, and that moment I was connected Um and so that those fragments stay with you. And that's one of the most fun things about speaking. And as it would be in music or in anything is that something comes out of you that you didn't know you really had. And it just is spontaneous. It's not forced. It's magical. 
Um, the other thing, other one I have to say is uh, I'm called America's breakthrough speaker. And the reason is, is very practical. I've had almost a million people break boards karate style at the end of my events. Yeah. Uh, it's a metaphor. They write on their boards something they want to break through in their life, a limit, a fear, an obstacle. Um, I've had people beat cancer from what they wrote on their board. So it's very meaningful. Um, but I've had, I had a young man in my event once um, who was paraplegic. He had and only a year before, he was like 21 years old, had dived into a pool that was shallower than he thought, and he severed his spine, and he's paraplegic. But he had a light in his eyes. And we, he came to this event, and this was a small event. Most of my events are a lot of people. This was only like 40 people. It was a real select group. And for whatever reason, I chose him to break the first board. And he could not, his hand was like that. He did not move his hand. And the, the amazing thing was on the flight, this was in Toronto, on the flight, I had been thinking that over the years, I had had maybe 10 people who I'd held for who did not break. And if you would have seen them, you would have said, I get it, because every one of them was either, you know, something physical that you would think would keep them from being able to do this. But I had this thought on the flight, maybe it wasn't them. Yeah, Maybe it was me. Maybe it was my doubt that was communicating to them that they could not do this. And so the epiphany manifested with this young man. I said, I'm never again going to put my limits on somebody. If I'm not going to be the reason they don't break through. Sure. And so he, with 39 people around him, cheering their lungs out, this young man who didn't know he could move his hand, opened his fingers, turned his hand, Eyes getting bigger, drove his arm floor, broke the board. Wow. Sobbing, just incredible connection of 40 people became one. 14 years later, this year, since that event, this young man wrote to me. I didn't think he even remembered who I was about how that had changed the whole direction of his life and how he's. And uh, I, I worked with him this summer on becoming a, a, a professional speaker because he really wants to tell his story. Wow. Um, so that one was that one was uh, memorable because of the fact that uh, since that time, Joe, this is the coolest thing. Not one person I've held for has not broken through. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, that's cool. So, what is the daily motivation for you? What gets you out of bed? What gets you to help people and to accomplish what you want to get done with your life? Uh, I think it starts with gratitude. I, I in my events, I you know, there's a, a book called uh, Power Versus Force. It is a horrible book to read. It's really hard to read, but th what it talks about is incredible because it measures the frequency of emotions. Emotions have different frequencies, like music has different frequencies, and the highest frequency emotion is gratitude. So, the, truly, when you're in an attitude of gratitude, there's no room for depression, sadness, anger. It, it overpowers them because of the higher frequency. Yeah. So every morning, start the day by asking simply, what am I grateful about today? Yeah. And immediately it transforms. Um, I'm grateful most of all about my children and my grandchildren and my wife. We've been married 38 years. We've made a great life together. Uh, I'm grateful because I love what I do with yeah. every ounce of my heart and soul. Um, and that's that's a gift. You know, most people, many people don't think they have a choice to do what they love to do, but you do. Yeah. Um, and and the truth is, the more you love what you do, the better you're going to do at it. The more it's going to it's going to take shape for you. Um, and so those are the real things. My family, um, which always comes first. My absolute passion for what I do, 
and gratitude for for this life gratitude for you know the things i don't understand gratitude for spirit god creation whatever you want to call it yeah. um, and uh, you know i love people as a result of that because i i want to look more for their good than you know we all have our our things we all have something good inside of us and my my passion is to try to help people discover that bring it out and know it for themselves so if you have a dream tonight, let's say you run into the 20-year-old version of yourself and you could give that younger version of you a piece of advice based on the wisdom you've gained, the the things that you've overcome, the successes, what advice would you give your young self? Number one, let go of the need for approval. Um, when you need for when you have a need for approval, what happens is you're never good enough. Um, you're always comparing yourself because that's the only way you can tell, um, it, you know, where you stack up. And um, the epiphany in my life was one day I shifted from this obsession with having to be the best, which I know came from wanting to get my dad to be proud of me, to a, an awareness that what I really wanted in life was to be my best. I couldn't control the best. What is that? Yeah. But I could be the best I could be. And tomorrow I might be better. And tomorrow I might not be as good as it was today. But I'm absolutely focused on what I control. So when you let go of that need for approval, what happens is you begin to, to live life from the inside out instead of looking from the outside to know who you are. So that'd be the biggest piece of advice. The second is let go of the need to try to control other people because you ain't going to do it. Yeah. You know, um, people call me a motivational speaker. I, I, I smile. I say, thank you. I'm a motivated speaker. Motivation is internal. If anything, I could be a catalyst, uh, an, a, just a spark to get people to make new choices, but I can't make it for them. So when people come up to me and say things like, wow, you changed my life, I, I, I smile at them, I thank them, and I, and I know they, I didn't change anybody's life. You change your own life. But if I could be a spark to help you do uh, do something better, to, to be kinder, to be, um, to be more present, to take charge of your energy in your life, I'm, I'm happy with that. What's the best speech you ever saw? Hmm. Best speech I ever saw. Oh, I, it, this is a really, it, I, I did early in, before I became a speaker, when I was still in my corporate career, career I did a, a little, uh, a little workshop. It was called Warriors of the Heart. It was 50 people. It was at a church. It was just a, it wasn't a, a big deal. It was free. <laughs> and um, the, the teacher had us get in a big circle, 50 people. And the, the, the activity was one by one, you had to go into the center of the circle for one minute and say whatever you wanted to say. And one woman got, so it was a one minute talk. She got in the middle of the circle and she said right off the bat, oh, I remember she said, the last time I tried to stand in front of people and speak, I threw up. Um, she was so from her heart, so present in one minute, I had tears in my eyes wow. about, about, about how important it is to, to get beyond fear. That was the best talk I ever heard in one minute. That's because every one of the other 49 people in that circle, they were thinking about what they were going to say instead of, and she wasn't. She was present for every one of those people. So when she went up, she wasn't planned out. She wasn't thinking about, she just came straight up from her heart. Yeah. That's and to me, that's to the key to speaking is authenticity. If, yeah. You know, it doesn't matter if you flub up your words. It doesn't matter if you, you know, you, you dribble a little bit. You know, I do it every time, trip. 
what matters is you, is that you're genuine, you're authentic, that you're yeah. coming from the things that you are passionate about. And when you do that, you're going to connect. That's it. So everyone out there has a perception of you, Brian, your family, your friends, clients, colleagues, but you run the show. What is your perception of you? Who do you think you are? Hmm. You know, uh, that's a good, man, you've asked the best questions of any podcast I've ever been on. I've been hundreds good. of them. Good. Um, <laughs> it, it, uh, it, uh, it kind of connects to a, something that I've been thinking about lately, and that is well, a great way to look at life is to ask yourself now, if when you got to the end of your life, my, my mother passed away one month ago. And so I've been thinking a lot about these things. And that is, what three words would you want to describe who you were? Yeah. And I guess the three words that stick to me that would answer your question are present, family, energy. That I did the very best I could to be fully present for every person that I could in my life, to help them know that they matter, they count that my family is always going to come first and that my energy, I want to, I want to be an example of energy it's because energy is a positive contagion. It's just something that to everyone we touch, our energy is our example. So if it's when it's said and done that people say that Brian, he had a lot of energy. He was always present and he loved his family. Then I've done okay. So if you could see one event in human history with your own eyes, be there to witness it, what would you love to have seen? Whoa. Wow. That is a really, really powerful question. I I suppose it would have been maybe the birth of Jesus. Yeah. Um, simply because of what Jesus represents to me is the is is love. That's the synonym that I most want to use for it is that um, I, I guess that would be number one, other than, of course, the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl. There you go. <laughs> That's right. So, Brian, if anyone wants to reach out, learn more about you, hire you, anything about your world, where do they go? Just go to my website. It's brianbiro.com, uh, B-R-I-A-N-B-I-R-O. It's got all my books on it. It's really talks, you know, talks about uh, how to, how to bring me in to speak for your organization, um, which is what I love to do. I have a new book comes out November 14th. Um, that will be available wherever you buy books. It's called lessons from the legends. I love it, Brian. This has been fascinating. Thank you for opening up. Thank you for your story. Best of luck with everything. Joe, you are an extraordinary podcaster. You're doing great work. Thanks for having me. Thanks for tuning in to another famous interview with Joe Domino, where we cover the world of art, literature, business, spirituality, music, and more from around the globe. Our esteemed theme music was composed and produced by the great E.E. E. Pointer of Kansas City's River Cow Orchestra. If you want to hear more interviews, visit the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino channel on YouTube. You can also find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Thanks again for listening, and until next time.